Swanson to first. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are Super Bowl 55 champions, led by Tom Brady. The long wait has ended after a half century. The Milwaukee Bucks are NBA champions once again. And lightning has struck twice. And the Tampa Bay Lightning are back-to-back Stanley Cup champions. This is episode 89. For you, John, the Alex Mogilny episode of For Future Considerations, number 89. John, nice. we we had to do this ourselves. We had a great idea. We broke the internet. Our dad had to come home and save us. Manny's back. <laughs> we, got, we had in trouble. We got grounded. The boys, I can't leave you for five How's it going, days. Boys? <laughs> How's it going, Good, guys? How are you? Good, good. I a much deserved break. Um, I'm a, I'm a little darker, which is great. I made it. They let me back into the country, which is even yeah. better. And uh, there was it was touch and go for a little bit, to be quite honest, boys. Nothing to do with COVID, but uh, to do with everything else that I did uh, outside the country on assignment. Yes. <laughs> uh, but great episode last week, boys. I was going to ask, uh, what exactly and- is a Cuban jail like? <laughs> Well, it's not very big, I can tell you that. And it's not very clean either. So But the Cubans are very nice they people. Are. Very nice mm-hmm. people. You know, they still serve you beer in jail, so that's fantastic. Right. Some mojitos. Muchos gracias, senor. It's fantastic. Was the, so if you had, so let's, let's just say by like Wednesday, you had 100 drinks. What drink were yes. you ordering the most on this trip? Uh, between two, the pina colada okay. uh, or the Havana special. Uh-oh. So... Yes, and I got the ingredients so I can make it for you boys at the house there afterwards. So um, the uh, the pool parties will have a Cuban flavor to it in the <laughs> summer, guys. Oh, oh, let's just say that the um, so the pina coladas that they made at the beach at the resort where we stayed at made with real coconut, um, and they put um, cinnamon on top. And just added a nice little touch to it. Uh, the pina coladas were among the best that I've had ever. The one thing that I did find out, because I really wanted to have mojitos down there, but they didn't have a lot of mint. So depending on the day you walked up to the bar, well, it was every day. So depending on the minute that you walked up to the <laughs> bar, they might have run out of mint for the mojitos. And as the story goes... A lot of the farmers stopped planting mint uh, because they couldn't export it anymore uh, because of the pandemic. So they they were planting other crops that they could use at home, like corn or anything else for that matter. So there's a bit of a mint shortage on the island of Cuba, which I found very, very interesting. But... Uh, the trip was fantastic. Um, went for our, my 15th anniversary with my wife, Shannon, and she loved every minute of it, which happy wife, happy life. <laughs> and um, the beach was fantastic in Veradero, among the best beach that beaches that I've ever been at in the world, from the Dominican to Mexico to Bermuda to the Azores. 
to Canada, what have you. Like the beach in Veradero was amazing. Um, and the drinks were amazing. The food was really good. I know everybody talks about the food in Cuba, but the food was, the food was top notch. It really was. And, and the people are fantastic. People are fantastic. And you meet a few, few people. Uh, no Americans go to Cuba, obviously. Um, so you're either from, uh, you're 80% of the clientele were Canadian. And then you had some from Switzerland and the UK that I met. And then, 10, 12% are Russians. So that's basically the clientele that was at the resort, which was about 60% full uh, at the one resort that we stayed at. So So you had a lot of extra space to play. That's good. A lot of extra space, a a lot of extra space to lay out on the bally beds on the beach and uh, listen to the podcast last week that talked about some of the greatest sports movies of all time. Loved the subject on episode 88. It was amazing. Yeah, we got some great feedback on social media and by email on that movie topic. And we had some write-in candidates for outside of the top four movies, including Caddyshack, Rush, Ford vs. Ferrari, and I, Tonya. Yeah, I know you guys did the the four major sports, right? But those those are really good movies, they are too. for sure. The one that I will say that we missed in the basketball bracket, I got a text from a buddy of mine that went through it, is um, uh, what's the, the Will Ferrell um, basketball movie? Um where he's the Flint oh, Tropics, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah, whatever movie that is, I can't even think of it now. But um, we didn't have that one in the bracket. That would have been a good one for sure uh, to include in there, but uh, we we didn't have that one. But would it have beat the Hoosiers or it White Man would have beat Like Mike, semi pro, semi pro, yeah, semi pro. It would have beat Like Mike, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know a lot of people voted for like Mike there didn't they on the Twitter poll I think they got confused maybe I that... think they were thinking it was Magic Mike oh <laughs> it was getting the female uh, vote maybe, maybe. Uh, uh, so that's what broke the internet everybody voting for like I Mike I don't know what did <laughs> I mean, we, we made it to the Elite Eight our poll on, on Twitter podcast FFC unspeakably the Twitter account has been suspended during the the biggest time of the year, like closing stores on Christmas Eve. Twitter has suspended our account mid poll, so we will figure this out somehow, and we will continue the poll. I, my phone has been blowing up where I'm getting messages from all over North America, wondering what's happening to the poll. It's one of the worst calls ever in social media history. Yeah. It's. Atrocious. Just because. Egregious. Appalling. Horrific. Outrageous. Horrendous. <laughs> unspeakable. Shameful. It's awful. <laughs> Did you take a thesaurus to read while you were in Cuba or what? I was watching Stephen A. Smith. I was livid. <laughs> I was livid. <laughs> Egregious. <laughs> Appalling. <laughs> there's there's a good mix there of Stephen A. Smith and Jackie Childs from Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> Jackie Childs. That's a great reference. That is a great reference. But we will continue the poll until we pick our final winner. Well, until you pick our final winner because it is a poll after all for the best sports movie of all time so look for that 
That's right. And I've got another movie question for you later on in the show, so stay tuned for that. Beforehand, we have plenty to debate, so let's start with hockey. The NHL and the NHLPA exercise their out clause and will not be heading to Beijing to compete at the Olympics. Increasing cases of COVID-19 have forced the league to postpone numerous games, and the scheduling just no longer affords the NHL the luxury of shutting down for three weeks. The NHL and NHLPA have agreed to withdraw from participation in the 2022 Olympics in Beijing. Do you guys agree with that move, or are you disappointed? Uh, obviously disappointed. Um, always like seeing the the best of the best uh, getting a chance to compete at that level, and um, you know, seeing all the projections that everybody was putting out of what these teams may or may not look like uh, when they would get assembled was a lot of fun to follow along with. Um, I don't necessarily. I mean, I hate the reason that it's happening, but I don't necessarily disagree with the with the thought of of pulling out either. It's it's fairly mixed uh, for for me to be honest with you. I'm, I'm disappointed that we're there, uh, that they're not going to be there. I'm disappointed that that's the reason that we're not going to be there. But I mean, that's it's the way it is now. So uh, yeah, I think it's it's disappointing all around. Yeah, it's disappointing that um, they're going to not play in Beijing, but um, I don't blame them. I mean, traveling across the world and then you're mixing with athletes from all over the world. So as disappointed as I am, I don't think I would want to go and cover it if I were in the media. So I don't blame the NHL and the NHLPA for trying to keep the players safe. Well, as I understood it, some players were already questioning their participation because of the the, uh, quarantine period that was being imposed by the IOC for all the Olympic athletes. So I don't think we should be surprised. Dozens of games have been postponed in the NHL because of COVID. I think 50 games in total. They're pausing the season until Boxing Day when teams can get back into their own facilities. Tuesday night was the last game. Yeah, I'm disappointed just as you guys were because the last time we had a best-on-best hockey tournament was 2016. Uh, the World Cup. So it's been a while. And for some of these players, like Sid the Kid, is he ever going to get another chance to play in the Olympics? I know he's already won two gold, but this might have been his final shot to play at the Olympics. Yeah, for sure. And another guy that you feel for is, is uh, Steven Stamkos. He was too young to play yeah. in 2010. He broke his leg in 2014. The NHL didn't play in 18. They're not going in 22. So 2026 would seemingly be his last opportunity and he'll be 36 years old when that happens so not sure that he'd be guaranteed a spot uh, on that on that team when that time comes so that would be a real surprise imagine looking back at some of these guys careers and seeing Steven Stamkos never played for Team Canada at the Olympics that would be a shocker right but I don't think players should be overly disappointed too because this affects their main bread and butter is the season Right? You have to get a season. And and the players this year, they're splitting the revenue with the owners 50-50. So if you don't have a season, you're not going to get money. So from a player's perspective, you have to make sure you take care of the season first and the Olympics afterwards. And we have a hockey question from Paul in Thunder Bay about the Winnipeg Jets. He emailed us to ask if we were shocked by the decision of Paul Maurice to resign as head coach. I was shocked. I was actually sitting with Winnipeg Jets fans. Uh, when the news broke, and they were just as shocked. They thought may it might have been COVID-related, but um, it wasn't. Paul Maurice just thinking that the team needed a new voice after nine seasons, which I got to give Paul Maurice credit. Like, 
if anybody's going to know, it's going to be the coach on the inside. And after 26 years of coaching, he obviously knew that this team needed something else to get over the hump. But it's going to be weird. I didn't realize this, guys, but Paul Maurice is the second was... I should say, was the second longest tenured coach after John Cooper. That's remarkable. Wow, yeah, because you think of him coaching the Leafs, and that doesn't seem that long ago. So there have been a lot of short tenures for coaches in the NHL in the last few years. I was kind of stunned, too. Um, When I saw the headline come across, I went, oh, boy, we're going to have another situation like a Chicago, or we're going to find out he was verbally abusive to a player. And it's so bad that in this day and age in sports, that's what we think about. It's like, oh, it can't be actually related to the on-ice product. It's got to be something that he did off the ice that has caused him to have to lose his job. But, um, yeah, it's just it's so interesting. I don't think I've ever heard of a coach doing that mid-season. No, and and how aware is Paul Maurice as a head coach, like you said, Manny, to to be able to be man and Enough, if that's the reason to actually just make that call and say look it's not it's not working anymore because of me I will step away I will you know Dave Lowry steps in and he's uh, you know familiar with everybody and, and so it seems to be a, a seamless transition obviously there's got to be a comfort level there amongst his coaching staff that he wouldn't just give up and walk away without thinking the team is going to be in good hands but when you hear that being the reasoning and you hear Paul Maurice talk the way he did at the press conference like that's got to be a kick in the gut to the players because the players have to take some feeling from that, right? They have to take some onus in the fact that, you know, this guy thought that we've checked out on him so much that he's actually resigned. Doesn't this seem like the kind of head coach you want to be around? But now he's gone. So, yeah, it's it's weird for everybody, I think. Yeah, it's a great point because... You know, this guy won 315 games in nine seasons. He had this, whatever it was, a 600 winning percentage in Winnipeg. And he felt so strongly about this group that he wanted to give them an opportunity to win with someone else because he didn't think he could get it done for that group. Doesn't that just scream like a guy you want to run through a wall yeah. with? Yeah, like, why didn't you use that in the room, Paul? Come on. <laughs> Let us get everybody going. <laughs> Yeah, he's a bigger man than I am. Like, when I part ways with someone, like an ex or something, I don't want them to do well. I want to see them on Facebook and just see things have gone really bad for them afterwards. Yeah, first, John, you try to get them fired, and then you break up with them just to really make it bad. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and I have another uh, mailbag question. It's from John and Markdale. Um, What is your take on how well the Canucks have done under their new coach and general manager? How many Johns live in Markdale? Can't be more than just you. Bruce, do you like Bruce? There it is. Do you like that? Do you Uh, like that? I yeah, I kind of enjoy it. Actually, it's just silliness for the sake of silliness. He likes it when they're winning. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be really sickening if they lose four in a row. (laughs) So the pess—is this the same pessimistic John in Markdale? who always thinks the Canucks are going to miss the playoffs. <laughs> well, I was kind of watching. I wanted to see how they were going to do against the Leafs. That was when I was going to really make my judgment and go, okay, they can really uh, maybe put something together here. But I don't think they'll make the playoffs. But if they can get some momentum and finish the rest of the season and finish on a high note, I think the things may look good for next year. They're only 10 points out of first place in the conference, John. They're, they're going to make a run here. They can make the playoffs. 
easily make the playoffs. Come on, John. Where's that optimism that we so dearly want from you because we never We're get so it. We're so tired of hearing you say so po- all yeah. the positive things. <laughs> well, there's always that uh, road trip that's looming in January where they have, I don't know if it's six or seven on the road. So that's where they're going to make or break their season, I think. Can you believe what we just saw? This is incredible. You know, guys, I got to be honest, I have goosebumps. Unbelievable. Oh my God. And now it's time for our play of the week. We have decided to pick our favorite play, and this was a no-doubter, because I guess we couldn't do the poll. So we made the judgment call. (laughs) Malcolm Subban of the Buffalo Sabres definitely delivers a save-of-the-year candidate by robbing the Pittsburgh Penguins of a sure goal. Chris to the boards, Carter redirect to the net, rebound! Did that go off the post, or Subban get a piece of it? How does he get his arm back there in the first place? I don't know. Seriously. A, how does he do the splits like that? B, how does he get his arm back there like that? That was unbelievable. He's moving to his right without a goal stick. Doesn't stop it with the blocker in his right hand. He reached behind him and stopped it with his glove in his left hand. I don't think I've seen a better save. This year. That's, it's been a long it's been a long time since you saw that I also got to give a, a shout out uh, we don't have the, the video for it on the poll Ryan Polidori goaltender for the Leamington Flyers <laughs> on Sunday made a dream save where he went from his left to his right stick out and just batted the puck out of the air out of a wide open cage in a fantastic Leamington victory over the Sarnia Legionnaires you got to find that save. I got for the us. video. I got there the, video I, evidence. There's a video of it. It's just not going to be very good. I was on the camera, so it's like it'll be like watching the Blair Witch Project again. I really want to reference it, but should be in the. Are you the, shooting the, the ref? Should be in the top right corner of the screen as I'm shooting. So the camera's pointed at the menu board at the concession. It's going to say. You still got the onion rings. I wonder what I'm having after the game. <laughs> let's let's focus on the menu. <laughs> Although I will say the uh, the French fries at the uh, uh, Nature Farms uh, Fresh Center is uh, uh, might want to tone down on the salt a little bit, guys. Uh, it would be nice to taste a little potato <laughs> in there, but that's just me. <laughs> Easy on the diabetes with the French fries, guys. (laughs) I do plan on seeing 41. (laughs) That is great. Our play of the week is brought to you by London Awnings. Quality that shows. Don't forget that you can check out Twitter when it's working and Instagram as well in the new year. We'll continue to post poll questions. We'll do the movie poll thing. We're all about the poll. Uh, and then make sure that you vote on the play of the week. The play of the week gets posted on a Monday. We obviously reveal that on uh, the first episode of the week every week. And now let's talk some football. Week 15 in the NFL did not officially end until Tuesday night when two games were played. In total, three games were rescheduled because of COVID-19. The problem is the players didn't like it because of this announcement in July. The NFL informing teams things will be strict. If a game can't be rescheduled, get ready to forfeit. Pay the price. You're going to lose. Last season, if there was an outbreak on a team and a game couldn't be played, the NFL pretty much bent over backward to reschedule that game. That will not be the case this season. So the question, guys, should the NFL have forfeited those games affecting the Browns, Rams, and Washington football team, or should they have rescheduled them? They should have forfeited them. Like, 
Keep your word, NFL. Like, when it comes down to crunch time, aren't you sending a message that money is more important than the health and safety of the players? You didn't want to cancel these games because they had full stadiums for them in Philadelphia, um, in Los Angeles. Um, I can't even remember where the Browns-Las Vegas game was, but they had full stadiums for them. If those games were canceled... They would have to give back money to the fans. Now, you know, Seattle and the Rams and Washington and Philly play on Tuesday. They have to go back and play on Sunday on a short week. It's terrible, and it puts the health and safety of the players in danger. If you're going to say in July that you're going to forfeit games if teams have a COVID outbreak, then forfeit the game. Stick to your word. See, and I had a problem with them announcing that in July. I thought that wasn't really fair. I thought they should have built in some sort of a week or something where you could reschedule those games. But it is a little bit dirty when (laughs) you're doing it, obviously, just to pocket the cash. And that's what the NFL's been doing all along, right? They're the only one that there hasn't been any talk or any consideration of pausing the season or or anything like that as as we go along here. And it's just it's it's for the money, right? Now they're rescheduling these games. They're you know they're they're letting teams play that so that they can adjust for COVID outbreaks. But like you said, Manny, they're putting these players in more difficult positions for their bodies, for their minds, for their recovery. Um, you know, say what you want about the NFL really caring about the guys that get hurt and the guys that uh, you know develop these these issues after their their playing careers. This certainly is just another thing that you can just pile on and be like, well, that's fine, but we've got a game to play and we got sixty thousand people in there and we got Fox broadcasting the game and see you out there, boys. Isn't it ironic that this the league that makes the most money? is the league that's the stingiest when looking after the health of their players. It really is remarkable. Yeah. And and you, Matt, you make up a great point, too. If they had to cancel games, they would have to give money back to the TV yeah. networks who are going to broadcast the games, too. Uh, and, you know, you would lose money in revenue because of the commercials and that sort of thing. Um, but, like, if I, I'm an Eagles fan, right? So my Eagles play Tuesday night. And they have to go out ahead and play on Sunday, and they have to prepare for a team, let alone the health and safety of the players. Now you've got a short week in preparation yeah. for a team. From a, from a competitive standpoint, that's not very good either. And and back to the health and safety thing, it's week 15. Like, guys are already banged up playing hurt. Uh, this is just going to magnify the situation. Are you ready? Now it's time for Rapid Fire, and every question is from a listener, which is fantastic. So let's stick with the theme of football for a minute. Jonathan from Kalamazoo, Michigan, is a frustrated Chicago Bears fan. He wants to know if the Bears should clean house after falling to 4-10. and ten. Look, man, four wins is not good enough. Uh, there, there are guys that are going to get fired that are probably going to win eight games this year so it's not going to happen guys that the, they're they're going to clean house i mean we've we've heard all kinds of uh, of stories just reading in the in the news about matt Nagy and uh how he's he's struggled as a head coach and uh probably could have been uh the way the bears had started the first coach that that got fired this year so i i mean i'd be stunned if matt Nagy's still going to be around at the end of this season at this point you may as well play it out but um i don't think there's any way he comes back 
I'm surprised he hasn't been fired yet before this episode ends, to be quite honest. They haven't had a playoff win in Chicago since 2010. Time for a new coach and a new GM. I know you have Justin Fields now, and they drafted him, and he looks okay, but time for a new regime. Jessica sent us a social media message about basketball. The NHL season is now paused until Boxing Day, as we mentioned. The NBA season, as of our recording, is still going. Jessica wants to know if we think the NBA should also pause its season. I think the NBA should pause its season, but I don't think they're going to. Like uh, Adam Silver said on Tuesday night that they weren't going to pause the season, uh, that they're going to have to figure out a way to live with COVID. Um, The Toronto Raptors have seven players on their COVID list. Like, that's more than half of a basketball team, right? So I think they should pause it. I don't think they're going to. And the biggest thing for me, for them, is their Christmas Day games. You know how big Christmas Day is for basketball? They have these three great games. I don't think the league wants to get rid of that at all. Back to the money situation. Yeah, it's true. That's um, always been a big day. I When I used to watch the NBA even more than I do now in the 90s, I remember that was the day that NBC would kick off their uh, their annual schedule. It was always with that. It uh, was a triple header, then it became a quadruple header on uh, on Christmas Day. Yeah, look, I, I'm I'm done with all this, guys. I'm I'm frustrated as hell. Um, play, just deal with it. Just de- figure it out. Nobody seems to have a plan with how this is working. It's been two years. I'm tired of it. Yes, if you guys guys that are sick, guys are going to go home. They're going to have social lives. They're going to interact with their families and all that stuff. And it's it's going to happen. We can't keep stopping this shit because. These, these games have to go on. They're, they're scheduled. We are not putting anybody's lives in danger here for the players that are there that are healthy that can compete. So, no, don't pause it. Keep going. Figure it out. Would you be okay with seeing a bubble situation? or Look, The first move for me is get, getting the fans out of the building. That's that's the first move if you're to, to keep this going because ultimately you have to make a decision and and with these leagues it's going to be where you're going to make the money. So are you going to make more money having these games broadcast, TV rights, all of that stuff? Are you going to have more money selling tickets, selling concessions, whatever their deals would be? And yeah, but you have to decide. I don't think you could, you're going to be able to get through a season with the way that we're going with fans in the building. So if that's what has to be cut off so that you can continue a year so that we can still have sports, we can still have this form of entertainment, the one thing that people are actually enjoying about their lives right now, then yes, you have to stop bringing people into the building. But ultimately... Stopping this and starting it and stopping it and starting it again is not its not the answer. See, I have more trust in the players being responsible and not spreading COVID to loved ones who may be more at risk health-wise. The fans, I don't have much faith in them. They, Especially around the holidays, they could go see family, spread it to someone who is susceptible health-wise to COVID, and cause a more outbreaks, more spread, and more death. I don't want to see that happening. So I think they should pause it. 
Um, one thing that sort of makes um, the considerations different for me, depending on the league. See, the NFL, I mean, it ruins the atmosphere, but they make enough on TV revenue they could play to empty stadiums. The NHL is a gate-driven league more than television-driven, so they need fans. The NBA, I don't know where they sit. Do you guys know what proportion of revenue comes from TV versus fans? No, I I, I think they make a pretty good penny, though. Yeah, I would only expect so. We have a baseball question from Andy in Kingston. After the latest managerial hires, Buck Showalter is going to manage the New York Mets. Mark Kotze is going to manage the Oakland A's. And Andy wants to know which manager we think will be more successful. It's a fair question. I mean, Oakland's going to start tearing away parts here. So um, short term, I don't think Mark Kotze is going to have much success there. Um for me, Buck Showalter is such an underwhelming hire in New York, and it, it kind of comes back to, like we've said before, like there really isn't somebody else other than Buck Showalter that that can manage in the major leagues. Like, the, isn't that a, a problem for Major League Baseball? I mean, the bigger problem for the New York Mets is the other person whose name I heard around a while is Brad Osmus, who should be inducted into the absolute worst managers of any sport in the in the history of sports so like your two options are a, a guy who has been out of the game who has not seen a lot of success in the last while to me is an overrated guy for what he's actually been able to accomplish as a manager and a guy who could not manage my kid's t-ball team. So I'm surprised. Like There's no, there's nobody else out there that is fit to manage some of these teams. I honestly don't... I think the Mets are, you know, because they've spent, they've gone and get, they're going to have more success. But I really don't think it's going to be because of Buck Showalter. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. Um You know, I think Andy's getting at, like, Oakland seems to find success, even though they don't have the star players or the big payroll. So Mark Kotze may have some success there. Buck Showalter, what have you done for me lately? You know, he should be the answer to your question, Andy, as to more success because the Mets are spending a boatload of money on very big-name players who should be performing at a high level. But I think that just adds pressure to Buck Showalter. If he doesn't perform, if the Mets do not perform, you don't fire 40 guys, you fire the manager. And maybe Mark, K- Mark Kotze has a longer longer season, seasons, plural, as manager than Buck Showalter does. Yeah, I mean, you look at Buck Showalter's numbers. So he hasn't managed a team since 2018, which was a team that ended up finishing, I think, with the second worst record all time in the American League at 47 and 15. He hasn't managed a winning team since 2016 in Baltimore, and you know he he's won in a couple places when he's when he's gotten to the. earlier in his career you know he he managed a hundred win Arizona Diamondbacks team in 1999 like you know really what are we what are we pulling from here as 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 managers and as coaches and things like that like you're telling me you couldn't find somebody else other than Buck Showalter uh to, to to take over a team that you're putting a ton of money in to try to win And then I said we had another movie question, and here it is. It's from Ryan in Cambridge. He writes us to ask if Die Hard is a Christmas movie. 
Oh, Die Hard is totally a Christmas movie. No, it's not. It is. You know what? Anybody that tells you that Die Hard is not a Christmas movie can go to hell. (laughs) John Rashad? (laughs) Listen, what fits your definition of a Christmas movie? I say where Christmas is the main plot point of the movie. It's set around Christmas. Mm -hmm. John McClane goes to L.A., to be with his wife for an office Christmas party, mm-hmm. Christmas party, okay. Uh, they they have Christmas music in the movie, mm-hmm. right? He he climbs on top movies? of the Christmas tree for a while there, right? You know, he's there's people dressed in Christmas gear. Um, Christmas movies are always about people learning a lesson Mm -hmm. or how people overcome greed. Mm -hmm. As Hans Gruber falls from the tower, Yokoshami Tower, Yokosh whatever tower, it doesn't that feel like Christmas? There's snowfall. It's about togetherness, Manny, is what it is. And all Bruce Willis is trying to do is bring his family back together for the holidays. Right? Christmas is about family and love, and John McClane finds love with his wife. You guys are just trying to piss me off going into the holidays. What's going on? (laughs) There is really like there is nothing that's any different from the plot lines. Really, if you break it down between that movie and It's a Wonderful Life, they're basically the same story. Different characters, sure, sure, different different scenarios and such. Both main characters dealing with uh, unconscionable challenges. That that just that get through it for the Christmas right? spirit. How love overcomes love greed. overcomes it's, greed. It's, That's what Christmas is all about. It's all about John. Come on, what a great question from Ryan. That was amazing. Oh, I know who Ryan is, and he's going to pay for this. <laughs> <laughs> well, we didn't get Ryan's thoughts. Ryan just did ask the question. Do we know where Ryan sits on this? Uh, yep. I don't know if he put it in his email. Do, do we? Did he put it in his email? Um, he didn't, but I know where he stands on this because I've had this conversation with him before, and he says it is a Christmas movie. Oh, see? Okay, three to one. Democracy rules. Even if Twitter shut us down, we would still win the poll. <laughs> John, why is it not a Christmas movie? Because for me, if you take Christmas out of the movie, the movie doesn't change at all. It still makes perfect sense. Whereas if you take the Christmas out of any other Christmas movie, then it ceases to be a movie. John McClane would not be in L.A. if not for uh-huh. Christmas. So the movie doesn't exist. Look, it's it's true. Look, when when John sends Tony, the one guy, when he when he throws his body into the elevator, he's wearing a Santa hat. He's wearing a hat. <laughs> He, he has a message on his shirt that says, now I have machine gun, ho, ho, ho. It's on his shirt. Yes. He says, ho, ho, ho. And You're even right. more than that, Rashad, I'm just going to end the conversation right here. According to a press release from the Dish Network, very relevant source, one point <laughs> three million Americans watched Die Hard on Christmas Eve in 2016, which beat out Home Alone, the Santa Claus, which is actually pretty funny. Watch that again. It's, it's got some, some good lines in there. And Miracle on 34th Street. 
That is that is the definition of a Christmas movie. The only thing it's missing really is Will Ferrell, and that's that's it. Right. Actually, I watched Home Alone this week too. I've watched Home Alone seventy three times in the last uh, week and a half. I'll tell you that much. If you want me yes. to act it out right now, I probably could. Look what you did, you little <laughs> jerk. <laughs> How many times have you seen Elf? You know what? Elf is Elf is sparingly. We're big on Home Alone two right now. Uh, the the kids oh, actually oh, like Home Alone, Alone two a little bit more because they like the idea of taking Dad's credit card and getting a hotel room. That's what I was told by my child. Is that asking if they called a hotel if they'd be able to get a hotel room with my credit card? I said. Well, son, if we're doing it now, uh, unless that hotel room is 17 cents, that is going to bounce right back in their face. <laughs> and they like seeing Donald Trump. And they the love movie, seeing right? the president. Yeah. <laughs> I love that your kids are ready to commit identity theft at such a tender age. Oh, you know what's you know great, Rashad? After we watch Home Alone and Home Alone 2, we then act out some of the fun parts of it so I have to climb the stairs while they throw things at me and it's 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 great it really gets everyone into the holiday spirit I'm going to have to get a hip replacement but it'll, it'll do that at the holidays too so they're committing another crime assault Absolutely. are they assault and battery the, yeah. the whole yeah. thing the whole thing uh, Great time. All right, I'm going to leave this alone because it's going to make my temperature rise. So, um, it's Ryan, a- again, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Rashad, at the end of the movie, it snows in Los Angeles. Yes. It hasn't snowed in Los Angeles since 1962. It snows at the end of, of every holiday movie, including Die Hard. Doesn't, doesn't your heart fill with joy when Hans Gruber falls out of the tower? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what's funny? I do love that movie. When I was a kid, that was one of my favorite movies. But I don't know. Maybe I have to rewatch it and count the Christmas references. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, can I be friends with two people who truly believe that that's a Christmas John movie? McClane's, yes, you John can. McClane's wife's name was Holly. <laughs> <laughs> that just Holly. seals the deal right there. It seals the deal. <sighs> All right, fine. <laughs> Finally, a Christmas-themed pumpeter dump it. Danielle in London wants to know if this is the best Christmas song of all time. The song is All I Want for Christmas is You by Mariah Carey. So, fellas, Pump It or Dump It is the best Christmas song of all time. You know, Rashad, we had a great conversation about this and how the Christmas songs, there hasn't been a new Christmas song that's really caught on since this one, which was like 1994, right? Right. Hold on. It's still better than Ed Sheeran and Elton John. Oh. See, I like that song. I think it's going to be, I think that'll actually become a Christmas classic like this one. I really do. (laughs) Well, you can watch that while you watch your fake Christmas movies. And uh, (laughs) um, if you didn't listen to Pump It or Dump It last week, go back to episode eighty-eight to check out these guys talk about that supposed classic of Ed Sheeran and Elton John. So, so do you guys have a uh, favorite Christmas song of all time? 
I don't know. When did Ariana Grande come out with her song? I've been hearing it more and more all the time this well, year. She's got a new one this year? Um, I, I don't think it's new no. this year, but um, but it's a Santa Tell Me. Is that the name of the song? I don't oh. know when it came out. Hmm, but that up. I don't know. When did it come out, John? That's your favorite Christmas song, Ariana Grande, man. No, it's not. It's not. Oh. Not. But you, you, you just sort of got me thinking <laughs> about which which one was the latest. Which what is the most recent Christmas song yeah. that has gone? And our thinking, of course, along and, and you know the the rules of of measuring this is like it's got to be an original song. Like it can't be Kelly Clarkson yes. again singing "Oh Christmas yes. Tree." Like yeah. it's got to be your own song. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, Ariana Grande song came out in 2014, actually. So it's getting a oh, lot of play this year, I think. Okay. Uh, so it's fairly popular. So you guys just got me thinking about what what is the most recent Christmas song. So that may that might be it. Like, I guess. like Michael. Any song that Michael Bublé sings, yeah. Christmas yeah, related, the is man. really good, right? Right? Yeah, yeah. Bublé's yeah. the man for sure. Matt had the stat last week that only two of the top was it top twenty or top forty Christmas songs of all time are from nineteen eighty or later. Yeah, it was eighty four and ninety four. The last, the only two in that list. Yep, wow. and it was the Mariah Carey one, and then it was. Um, That's a pretty good stat. Uh, was it last Christmas? Yeah, yeah, it was last Christmas. Yep. Well, that's been it. The rest of there's more songs. We were saying there's more songs from the 30s that are in that list than there are after 1986 or whatever we had said. But I'll go with. Yeah. Um, I do love for for the ballads and and the the, the powers. And I do like uh, Oh Holy Night. Uh, but my my favorite Christmas uh, song is uh, Carol the Bells Trans Siberian Orchestra. Oh, wow. oh, that that is that's a, great a banger right there. Like. A- <laughs> Danielle, I don't know if this is the best Christmas song of all time, but this Mariah Carey song is right up there. See, I gotta go with Brenda Lee rocking around the Christmas tree. I love that song. Good one. You guys don't like Little Drummer Boy? Uh, that's a little yeah, that's, that's right. a little dry for me. <laughs> what about O Come O Come Emmanuel? All right. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! <laughs> wow, I did not see All that coming. Right, we gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on that note, that puts an end to rapid fire and another debate. <laughs> hey, we're only getting started. Stay tuned for the OT as we will preview one of the best traditions of the holiday season, the World Junior Hockey Championship. That's coming up on the OT later this week in what will be our final episode of 2021. That's right. We've got a lot of them. If you want to go back over the holidays and take a listen, previous episodes, listen to those. You can find them wherever uh, you find your podcasts. Uh, just last week, we were doing the bait, as we mentioned, for the best sports movie of all time, just like everything else in the world. Quick pause on that one. We'll be coming back to it pretty Pretty soon, uh, once everything gets uh, reactivated, we'll we'll finish that off. We've had some great guests over the last few weeks, including Will Cooley of the Windsor Spitfires. Before he left for Team Canada's World Junior Camp, he's now made the team. Check out that conversation, too. That's right. You'd rather spend time with us around the holidays than your family, right? Just pop in the earbuds and ignore everybody else while you're watching the World Juniors. And uh, you can also be part of the debate. You can send us your questions and comments and topic suggestions by email at forfutureconsiderations at gmail.com. 
And we got to give a special shout out to Rob Maddock who I think is uh, just found us about uh, a week ago, and I think he's burned through every single episode. We're getting messages as we go here of, oh, listen to this one. John doesn't know what he's talking about. Listen to this one. Any episodes without Matt coming up? So we want to thank him uh, for, for listening, and anybody else as well that's chiming in on the social media accounts, Podcast FFC on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook for future considerations. We should do a poll, or uh, is Die Hard a Christmas movie, or oh, not? Uh, right? Uh, uh, or s- you can send us an email if you think Die Hard is a Christmas movie or not. It'd be great. You're going to ruin my faith in humanity now? <laughs> What's your personal email? We'll, do, we'll send the results of that one to, to that email address. What was your cell phone again? 519. Give John a call at any hour. Call between 1 a.m. and 4 a.m. Yes. <laughs> oh, we only accept calls between 1 a.m. and 4 a.m. <laughs> Dial a deal. Good afternoon. <laughs> I'll just think it's my dad who hasn't figured out the time change. Oh, it's 2 a.m. there, there. It's not uh, 8 p.m. You're still up at 2 a.m. You know it. <laughs> we want to thank our sponsors on this episode London Awnings, Quality That Shows, and Shane Topolovic of Next Level Athletics in Windsor. He specializes in sport training and nutrition, maybe not around the Christmas time as you stuff your faces, but in the new year, you can focus on nutrition with Shane Topolovic. He's going to jump up the speed dial real quick uh, come uh, January <laughs> 2022, I think. Thanks a lot for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you later on in the week again for the OT. The next Next and final edition uh, for future considerations in 2021. See ya. That was a disgraceful performance, in my opinion. In my opinion, that sucked. Their mentality's awful. Their attitude's awful. It's been their MO for the last three years. Tonight I saw and heard one of the most disgusting, rudest, sick demonstrations in my entire career. Probably the worst. It's garbage. And the editor that let it come out is garbage. You're still here? It's over. Go home.